0: Carlson,
1: Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, 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 Carlson. Hoj, här kommer Carlson. Carlson Carlson, Carlson Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, vill jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Welcome everybody to another episode of Keeping Dalson Girls, and fantasy hockey podcast, Locky. the longest running fantasy hockey Dalsons. podcast in the world, hosted Dalsons. by two guys who are really good friends, even though if you were watching the pre-show it may not seem like it. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me for the second half of our surprise party where we're going to go through the other 16 teams in the NHL that we didn't cover, and for each team, talk about one player that surprised us more in fantasy than all the rest. It's my very good friend, like I said, the fantasy hockey robot, the Poopah prognostication, the IPP MVP himself, Brian Com.
0: Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. Here we are again. Second time in a week coming at you, or second time in two weeks, however you measure time. We're here for you throughout the offseason, which is, by the way, is just about to pick up. Very exciting. The draft is like just under three days away. At the time of recording, that's going to give us a lot of new things to chew on. Maybe there'll be a trade at the draft. Maybe there'll be something else cool that happens. And then, of course, the dominoes will continue falling with, you know, whatever other trades that happen before free agency and then rosters take shape. Before you know it, we'll be drafting and we're here to talk about the season that was and tie a neat little bow around it so that we have everything we need from that season to take into next season and win our fantasy leagues.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's going to be such a fun offseason. There's so many free agents that I'm interested to see where they're going to go. Uh, There has been one like news item that came out like we got we've got one player off the board a lot of people were wondering where Kevin Fiala was gonna go I'm sure Brian is a Sens fan the classic every summer thinking maybe the Sens are actually going to get one of these big names on the trade market and free agency obviously never happens but it's fun that Sens fans like to uh you know think about what it would be like to have a Kevin Fiala on their team but of course no he got traded to the LA Kings for a pick and for a prospect defenseman named Brock Faber who I hear is pretty good but obviously we're not going to be giving our hot prospect takes here but we can talk about Kevin Fiala quickly so we'll do that and then we're going to talk about these 16 teams first of course let's mention that keeping is very proudly presented by DobberHockey.com. they of course like what was it like five minutes after the trade maybe 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 an hour but like right away you had your article about kevin fiala going to la and the fantasy impact on both the kings and minnesota like that's the best side anytime there's anything that goes down and there's gonna be a lot going down like brian said in the next little while you want to check out DobberHockey.com. but brian why don't we get into it to start and maybe we can start with the LA Kings side because they bring in Fiala, you know, co- you know, kind of convenient. Like, Dustin Brown is retiring. Not that, like, Brown ended up kind of getting bumped off that Kopitar line for a while by the end of the year. I guess Ayafalo had a run. He wasn't too effective. Like, it seems like just such a perfect slot, right? Like, Kopitar and Kempe looked really good. Uh, and now they get, I'm imagining, Kevin Fiala to slot right in. there on the top line. I think this has got to be the best center that Fiala has played with. I don't don't know if you could think back to like who was playing with I guess Raijo in Nashville maybe I know we we talked a lot about the different centers he had in Minnesota I guess it was like Freddie Gaudreau who was where he was having that big run with and I you know no disrespect to Freddie Gaudreau, but I think that was a lot of Ken Fiala and maybe some Matt Boldy there that was helping Fiala go on that insane run where he seemed like he was scoring every single game so I think it's like a good spot at even strength on the power play I'd imagine he'll be up there like I don't know I see this as good the only thing that's like makes me a little Concerned is that LA is like such a you know like they're just a team that like you don't expect a lot of offense from. But of course you know this is a new play. This is Kevin Fiala, right? He's a he's a goal scorer. He now is they're trying to obviously like change that reputation. And last year you know Adrian campe scored what is he paced for forty goals or something. So maybe Fiala can continue
0: what he was doing. I don't know. I think it's a good thing. But let me know if I'm being too uh, optimistic here. I don't think you're being unreasonably optimistic here, Elon. Like you said, LA has a defensive reputation, but I, I'm not sure I believe that. I think they've had to based on the players that they've had available to them. But now, like they were a middle of the pack team in goals scored last year. I think that's pretty good. Um, Like For me, I'm happy to see that they're already starting to play a little more offensively. And I think this signals to us acquiring Kevin Fiala that, yeah, they're ready to add a legit top six scoring piece to help that top six along. Which, by the way, I don't think has any more room in it. Which is funny because I was just listening to um, Ben's interview with Andrew Knoll about the LA Kings for a 32-beat series. And you know, it's talking about so many interesting future options. You've got Byfield, you've got Kaliev, you've got Turcotte, you've got all the, and I think there's probably more I didn't mention. But really, the top six now is solid. In fact, you're looking at somebody who was in the top six last year at times, Alex Iafalo, having no home there anymore because you're going to have Kopitar, Kempe, Fiala on the presumed the presumptive top line, and then you'll have Deneau, Moore, and Arvidsson on the presumptive second line. And there's really I don't I don't see anywhere to wiggle in there. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny. And like, it's not like I disagree, but it's
1: like, like, look at this ascension for Trevor Moore. That all of a sudden he goes from being a nobody to now we're like, I don't even see a
0: spot. Like, you're not no, going to no. bump Trevor a- so Moore. <laughs> Andrew Knoll said that like he was a he's a yeah, duo. He was good. Yeah, he's a duo with Dino. That like Tom McClellan likes to play these pairs for the king. So Kopitar and Kempe are one pair. Dino and Moore are another pair. And maybe that means Arvidsson and Fiala change spaces every so often to see who's the best fit with whichever other duo. But I thought that was a really interesting takeaway. By the way, so many of these interesting takeaways on these 32 beats. I know I, we were talking about it in the pre-show too, the Buffalo episode with Joe Yurden. Fantastic. It was also from Ben. Uh, so many good little nuggets that help you get a, a really good understanding. So if you haven't been listening, I suggest you go back. But that's my takeaway for LA. I think Fiala's offense is going going to be in good shape. Like He's playing with centerman like one of his problems recently in Minnesota was that he wasn't playing with anyone who could really handle their business um on both sides of the ice now Kopitar and Dino, both of those guys do it better than like 90 percent of the league and Kopitar still got gas in the tank too I did look back Elon when you asked who his uh best center ever was. Might have been Ryan Johansson in Nashville. He collected the best with Freddie Gaudreau and Matt Boldy in Minnesota last season. Uh, and then, but one year he did have Miko Koivu, like retirement-aged Miko Koivu and Zach Parise, which is, that's still worth something. But this is definitely going to be the best situation Fialdo's ever found himself in, which uh, to me, like, is going to be interesting to see, hey, does this mean that we can get two halves of a good season from Kevin Fiala instead of just the one we've become accustomed to or the very slow start. So I'm going to be watching, especially with the with the pressure of a contract and adjusting to a new team. This is a guy who's been traditionally a slow starter. And I think that that concern that he's going to start slow because of those extra, you know, off ice factors are very much in play now. Um, so I am still going to be like, I'm going to have my radar up but I'm still not thinking it's any more or less likely than he'd start slow this year than other years because he's in a really great spot to produce. And I'm excited to see him be on a team that's going to use him in their top six. And I see him also on their top power play all through the year.
1: Yeah, you would think so. Obviously, unless he like, has... what You know, sometimes players go to a new team and then it doesn't click for whatever reason. But, I mean, Kopitar is pretty good. I think of helping people click with him, I'd, I'd imagine. Like, I, I'm not too worried. So, obviously, anything could happen. But, yeah, I agree with you, Brian. should be a good spot for him. And then, yeah, maybe the Kings can try to copy what the Rangers were doing in the playoffs last year. Like, run a third line of all their young guys. Like, they could have, you know, Byfield centering, like, a Kaliev and... Uh, I mean, I don't know. Who, Velarde... Vladic, yeah, yeah. yeah, whoever they have all these pieces
0: who like they've been waiting on for a while. And again, listen to the interview because Andrew has like a, a really great sort of view of the whole organization. They've had their time to develop. They not, no none of them have really developed yet, even though they're all still kind of interesting players. I think is Pinelli the guy they got last year. Too like there's a lot of names in the system and it would just take one or two to step up to make that a really formidable and interesting third line but before you say that the kings can play like the rangers the rangers could try to although that line was really good i think in a lot of ways but the rangers of course had just to fall back on if Mm -hmm. the line wasn't working out which the kings uh the kings don't
1: yeah, well, we, we thought Cal Peterson maybe something close to that. Didn't look like it last year. And we already talked about him I mean, actually in our part one of our surprise party here of talking about a surprise in each team. We were talking about how Cal Peterson was a big disappointment for the Kings. I guess on the other side of the deal, just quickly over in Minnesota, so they get Brock Faber. By the way, like L.A. trades Brock Faber, which you know, like I think he's a good prospect. But they also they already have Brandt Clark. Like it seems like the Kings like could afford to lose a defenseman. So I think it was just like a good piece of business for the Kings because they needed to bring in some firepower. Then they also signed, by the way. Uh, fiala to a long-term contract. Uh but you know, nothing crazy. Was it like seven million a year, something like that? Seven point five. Uh, So anyways, now we go to Minnesota. My my first thought was like, oh, it kind of stinks for Matt Boldy, right? Because he was like, you know, came in and then all of a sudden was doing so well with Fiala. And maybe we didn't know exactly like, you know, who gets more credit or maybe they share the credit. But at the same time, I'm not going to be like too upset. Like Matt Boldy is like a prospect, like new to the league. Like, you know, there's going to be other players in Minnesota for him to play with. Maybe Marco Rossi comes up and like they click together instead. I know that's like a center and not a winger. But, you know, it's like. I think Matt Boldy will be just fine. Maybe he works his way out of the top line at some point, like instead of Zuccarello, like who knows, right? So I think overall in Minnesota, there's probably not too much. Uh, I mean, Freddie Gaudreau, I guess, is probably the guy who's like already someone I wouldn't have been too excited about. But like if the season would have started with like Boldy, Fiala, Gaudreau again, then yeah, Gaudreau was someone I added in my fantasy playoffs last year. And he was really useful. He did really well down the stretch. Uh, so if that exact line would have started the season, he would have probably been someone I would have grabbed out of free agency or taken with a, with a final pick. But now, you know, he doesn't have Fiala with him. Also, there already is the risk of like a Rossi or someone bumping him out of the top six. So I don't. I don't have a huge fantasy take over in Minnesota. Let's see if you do.
0: No, I don't. I Like, my fantasy take is actually first line or bus. Like, with Fiala, like, if you're, if you're drafting a wild player, you only want someone on the first line. Because with Fiala, there was going to be another productive line there when Fiala got his act together and could produce. And he brought, I think, I, like, there was a chemistry, no doubt. But I do think he brought Baldy and Gaudreau with him uh, versus the other way around yeah, they work together to some extent too, but I think you subtract Fiala from that line and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you have Baldy Gaudreau, and I'm just looking at the default cap-friendly depth chart, Boldy, Freddie Gaudreau, and Brandon Duhame. So it's like, you know, there's there's not, and you look at the second line in Minnesota and you've got, you know, Joel Erickson-Egg, Jordan Greenway, Marcus Foligno, like there's not another really offensively-minded player to step in for Fiala. This team almost looks like the Minnesota Wild that we've seen before, which is where hey, first line go out do your damage, and every other line is going to hold the fort. And yeah, maybe you'll see Eric Ericssonek and Felino and hopefully Boldy and Gaudreau and Rossi be able to to grind some scoring out. But it's going to be a little harder, and they don't have any cap space, right? They're feeling uh, they're feeling the effects of those huge, huge contracts that they gave out to Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi on that fateful day so many years ago now what, what was it is uh, it 10 years ago i think longer but
1: i don't know you, you could do the math there but yeah it's not only the contracts they gave them but also the fact that they chose to buy them out for some short-term yeah. relief in exchange for long-term pain i feel like and obviously last season minnesota didn't go too far so i guess in hindsight maybe it would have been better to just keep suitor and Farise for another year instead of having to do this crazy buyout because yeah they're gonna have the, them on their books for a few more years now so that's a shame hunters bring up a good point in the chat here by the way like maybe you could say oh not so great for Boldy to lose fiala's a line mate potentially well definitely unless he gets a better line mate but uh he might have a better chance at the top power play now because if you recall boldy yeah. came in he was on the top power play he was doing great then at some point fiala ended up bumping him and boldy fell to top second power play and then sort of that hot run that he had when he first joined the league sort of cooled off so uh you know so that's what i'm saying like don't don't get too freaked out i think if you have boldy in a dynasty league or something i think he'll still be good next year
0: i'm hoping that boldy and rossi can find each other and do something good together and bring in a third piece to produce with And uh, and and be fantasy relevant. But I'm really I'm, I'm avoiding drafting off that Minnesota top line. There's there's not like I'm not excited. I wouldn't take any big swings like maybe unless it's you know, the final rounds of your draft. There really aren't very many forwards that I'm that interested in aside from Kaprizov, Hartman and Zuccarello
1: right i guess hartman also we'll have to see in training camp if he ends up sticking in that spot but yeah i don't disagree like i definitely wouldn't leave boldy undrafted but uh yeah it's not someone i'm gonna like swing super big on because it obviously could be a big risk and you can maybe boldy, get a more reliable guy
0: boldy feels like the same level of swing as uh like this year as maybe rossi was last year or pull or bunting you know someone in that category of late draft swings
1: yeah that's a good point point. and like some of them were really huge hits like bunting and some of them ended up being misses like well rossi it's not really fair he just like didn't play because he was uh injured and went to the minors but uh yeah okay so that was fun uh, uh now brian let's get to our regularly planned and scheduled programming here where we still have 16 teams to go like you said where we're going to put a bow on last season with one surprise from each team let me bring up my we were doing a randomly generated order so we didn't do our same boring old order that we've already done so we've already covered Vegas, Seattle, Anaheim, Edmonton, Toronto, Boston, Detroit, LA, Florida, Chicago, the Islanders, the Savers, the Blue Jackets, and the Hurricanes. And then we called Uncle and said, We'll do the. Oh, wait, no, then we did Dallas and then we did San Jose. <laughs> and then we called Uncle and said, We're done for today, which leaves us 16 more to go. And we're going to start over in Montreal. If you recall, uh, the, I'm talking, saying to the listener here that well, last the way we did it last week was Brian and I each prepared half the teams so there's no guarantee of what order we're going to go in we, but I'm looking right now at my doc and Montreal was an Elon team so who was my player on Montreal who was the biggest surprise it's so hard Montreal was a hard one because like they they have a bunch of players that were like completely different players like pre and post Martin St. Louis, right? Like Nick Suzuki was not doing anything like Cole Caulfield got sent to the minors. So if that's how the season would have ended, you know, at the time that's msl got hired i'd be like well probably cole caulfield was the biggest surprise and like in a bust kind of way because he was supposed to be like a calder candidate then he got set to the minors but of course then caulfield came in and was scoring so many goals he was amazing and suzuki was great uh so i'm gonna go with a different name which also was a guy that sort of followed the same pattern here in jeff petrie but he was like so surprising in how bad he was and then by how bad he was, it was so surprising that he was actually really decent at the end. So if we recall, you know, if you look at your drafts from last year, especially in bangers leagues, Jeff Petrie was getting drafted like super high amongst defensemen, because it just seemed like, you know, it was announced that Shea Weber was gone for sure. It was going to be Jeff Petrie for sure. Top power play quarterback, which ended up happening even when Martin St. Louis got hired, uh, but he was getting drafted super high. Cause you knew he was gonna get you points sh- like shots, hits blocks, like across the board. And then he did nothing. He had like no points and no goals for like the first like 20 games it just he became like basically dropped in every single league it was available for me all over and i actually grabbed him late in the season on my uh, keeping carlson ultra Patriot fantasy league team and he did really well so again six points in his first 40 games he had 21 points in his final 28 games like that's really really good along with the peripherals he puts up right so he yeah, like I, I think people like just remember the stink and maybe don't recall how good he was at the end. So you could decide how you want to interpret this as it was he a bigger surprise as being so bad at the start or as a bigger surprise being so like not bad at the end. Uh, but overall, I'd be curious to know what happens next year, right? Because I Chris Weidman is a UFA. <laughs> surprising that I have to say that as like a challenge, but Weidman was the one who was running the top power play in the second half of the year, most of the games, when he wasn't healthy scratched. So uh, it's possible Petrie gets back on the top power play, even if he doesn't and he's only like a 40-ish point guy, that could be pretty sweet with all the peripherals. So Brian, I'm curious to know, are we like just forget about Jeff Petrie because he burned us so badly next year? Or is he like, oh, this guy might be a really good like sleeper that you're going to get later than you should. And if you just look at those end of year numbers, he could provide a lot of value, especially again in those bangers leagues.
0: I think you need to proceed with caution around Jeff Petrie. And that's not just a comment on Jeff Petrie. That's um, a comment on Montreal as a whole, being, you know, kind of a challenging team to find an offense on. And like you said, Elon, there was a a bit of a burst towards the end of the season uh, for everybody involved, thanks to the hiring of Martin St. Louis, but they weren't a dramatically better team. They just weren't as terrible as they had been. Like, this isn't to, you know, be, do a disservice to St. Louis and the job he did behind the bench. Like, I think A change of voice, maybe someone who's more positive, optimistic, helped. And clearly, Petrie was not coach's favorite before, right? Like, he had, like, he was inexplicably bumped out of a power play role that he'd been in Montreal for four years. And, like, I don't think we got an explanation the whole way through. There's also a lot of talk through the season. Like, I'm sure when, uh, if we're lucky enough to get Arpan Basu on our 32-beats series again this summer... I would you know we we we've talked about a lot of the players who had some off ice concerns and challenges that they were working through. I would not be surprised to hear Jeff Petrie spoken about in the same vein. I know at one point, even like the fans were on him because of something his i think his wife. Posted on Instagram about not wanting to, that they interpreted as not wanting to be in Montreal, and he was just being considered this guy who was just sulking his way through the season, trying to get a trade but doing nothing to raise his value. And the fan, anyway, it seemed really toxic for Petrie in Montreal off the ice this year, and that happens when you have such a terrible start to the year. But again, there were things that were done to him that also didn't seem to make sense. So it seemed like the team was trying to. Uh, trying to move on from him or put him in the doghouse, which is a strange thing to do to well, a veteran. He
1: was, he was so bad, Brian. Like if you watch some of those Habs games, he was like looking yeah. really bad at the start.
0: So, so it's like a chicken or egg, right? Is, was, was he bad because morale was down or did morale go down because he was bad? It, it's just strange to see a season that we haven't seen from Jeff Petrie happen Uh, After so many years of consistency in Montreal, again, four years of consistency, including one like huge season last year on a 63 point pace over 55 games, Uh, 63 point pace for an 82 game season, of course, Uh, to see things change when a player this late in his career, like he's entering his age 35 season. So that's another reason why I might say, ah, you know, maybe Jeff Petrie is going to not take the body quite as much this year um and slow down in some ways i almost see him as maybe a mark giordano type you know as he got older it's like well he can't do huge offensive things again and then occasionally he would and but at the same time his ice time and peripherals and fantasy value was kind of trending downward so i was surprised by petrie i was more surprised well i'd say i was equally surprised by how hot He got at the end because before the huge season in 2021, like you could set your watch to him being a mid 40 point player, seeing half the power play time and all of that went poof both the year before this year where like he went way above and beyond that. And then it went poof in the other direction when he lost that deployment. So uh, I am i'm checking like a couple uh, adp from last season he went just towards the end of the fourth round in most drafts or beginning of the fifth so 57th overall on average the next d like the defenseman picked behind Shay theodore chris Latang, aaron ekblad quinn hughes i don't think he's quite with that group i think he's probably dropped <laughs> yeah i think he's probably dropped a tier or two or five uh, yeah he could be good value, right? He and Jacob Shikrin could both be good value if they can find their games and their deployment again. But deployment, like I keep saying this over and over, deployment is such a huge piece of this puzzle. And if I have no assurances that he's getting at least half the power play time back that he used to see, then I'm uh, I'm going to stay away unless bangers are really valuable.
1: I don't know. I mean, all I'll just say again is he had 21 points in his final 28 games, and that was without top power play, top, right? t- so- Yeah, he had three power play points all season. Yeah, so I just feel like you know he's again not someone i'm taking like ahead of Aaron Eckblad, like our couple of participants did last year but uh yeah if i could get him as like my third d like on my team like i'm gonna feel pretty good about that you know like if i'm you know because you know me brian lately i've been proselytizing in our discord channel about how like maybe i don't want to grab d like so early in drafts if i can't get like kale mccarr and you know maybe just let other people take the high-end d and i'll just like keep on grabbing there's so many like we're doing our patron rankings by the way uh which have been so fun on the discord and like we're like 30 plus players in and there's still like superstar players like the NHL just has so many superstar players that I'd be excited to have in fantasy like Mika Zibanejad went to 28 like Jack Eichel went right before him Johnny Gaudreau before him like Jack Hughes before him that's like 25 to 30 I'm telling you these are like potential like 100 plus point players like and that wouldn't be a swing at all right so I feel like I'd probably rather get guys like that and let other people take like a you know whatever a headman or even like a Roman Yozzi or an Adam Fox like who are like really awesome but just like don't have that C- just gets you so many points and then yeah if i end up with a jeff petrie as like my third d oh, yeah i'm not going to complain but okay that's probably a lot of uh habs and jeff petrie talks let's go to our next team here oh i should correct myself it turns out chris weidman did get signed I don't know how I missed that in the news cycle. I guess it was during, like, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Back at the beginning of June, he got a two-year contract extension, almost league minimum. So, obviously, it's not as if they're putting, like, a huge, uh, you know, amount of faith in him with that contract. But, hey, they're giving him the contract, and he'll be there. So, potentially, he could still hold that top power play, for for what it's worth. I think if Montreal plans to contend, they could probably do a little bit better on that top power play. Uh, Let's go to St. Louis now, Brian. It's another Elon team. I just get to keep talking. So fun. Okay, so... It, it would have for sure been Binnington, right? Like three quarters of the way into the season. Like he was getting drafted as like a real, like, you know, not like the highest end goalie, but someone you could just like set your watch to. He's going to be good. He's going to be the sure starter on like a good team. Like, you know, no one was worried when they drafted Binnington in their fantasy leagues. And then they were like devastated when Billy Husso completely took over and Binnington barely played. And when he did play, he was terrible. So I think he would be the easy vote for the biggest surprise, but he did turn it around right at the end of the season and in the, and in the playoffs. And I guess Husso like same on the flip side right he was so good that was such a huge surprise but then he sort of like cooled off and ended up losing his job then he got it back as Biddington got injured but then he didn't even play so well now it'll be UFA so anyways I'm gonna like spare the listeners the the goalie talk here because I'm not gonna pick them then there's so many players that broke out right like like St. Louis is like stock full of players that were surprising and went like either above or below their you know ADP from last year Kairu, Bucinievich, Rob Thomas, Tarasenko all these guys were above point per game and I don't think they were being drafted anywhere close to that uh in the end i'm gonna pick rob thomas okay i think he's the most surprising considering he had already played a couple years in the league he only had 12 points in 33 games the season before less than a half point per game almost like a point in only three every three games right he had 42 points in 66 games before that so it was definitely not something that i was expecting that in his age 22 season he would explode like he did 20 goals 76 points in seventy-two games over a point per game. Obviously, like this was like a huge increase in deployment. That is a big reason why Rob Thomas was able to, you know, do so well. Like obviously the coach just decided like he was ready to give Thomas the reins and and he got it. He he was averaging 18 minutes and 46 seconds of ice time when his previous high was 14 minutes and 34 seconds. He also had 14 power play points from I guess like the second power play uh like he's actually like a in the cupful this past season in tier one he was dropped like a couple of times and again it was because like he had some stretches where he'd go cold and when he would go cold he'd give you like no fantasy points at all like he wasn't like shooting that much or hitting or blocking so he's like a, yeah it was pretty rare to be able i think i added him twice in the couple like i added him at one point then i dropped him i added him again this is like an over point per game guys so that doesn't happen too much in fantasy uh so now that we look towards next year what do we do with this guy? Like, is he a point per game player? seems like he had a bit of a high shooting percentage. I think I'd be nervous to draft him at the production he had last year, especially since when he doesn't get a point, like he does nothing, which is a real big bummer. And so I feel like maybe I'd be more comfortable drafting him as like a 60 to 65 point guy, but I feel like that just means I'm not going to get him. So I'm curious to know if you think I'm dumb with that. Like if I should just like kind of let someone else take Rob Thomas, because yeah, I'm just a little bit nervous that he'll be able to keep this up, even though he had such a great season
0: that's fair I, I i think i also might not be ready to reach as high for rob thomas as some and this isn't to take away from him at all like he's someone who's been on our radar a couple of years uh had a terrible season in 2021 just 12 points over 33 games and the killer as you got to elon is in those 33 games in 2021 robert thomas had 22 shots so uh like you know every two every one out of every three games he basically went without a shot which is very frustrating a lot of cardio shifts from rob thomas but this year it didn't matter because he was just putting pucks pat like get, getting on the score sheet constantly. And one way was on the power play, which, yeah, I think he, like you mentioned, those 14 power play points, I think he got too many from the second unit. Uh But another part where I raised an eyebrow is he had three shorthanded points this season, which is a, a really solid number. And one reason for that is because he had a shorthanded role for the first time in his career, a pretty substantial one. He saw about a third of the Blues' shorthanded minutes. And overall, he saw a five-minute bump per night uh, between even strength and power play and short handed responsibilities, so a really huge bump for Rob Thomas this year in deployment, and he responded. Can he do it again? I don't uh, like. I don't see something super promising that tells me he can. He had a huge on ice shooting percentage on his line with Tarasenko and Buchnevich, which was around thirteen percent. And that's usually not a number that sustains unless you're playing with someone really elite. And this is not to take away from Tarasenko and not to take away from Buchnevich. but neither of those guys is the level. Like there's, there's a small handful of players like Alex Ovechkin or Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid. Like I'm talking your first round fantasy draft picks. Those are the guys who can drive a, a non ice shooting percentage that actually sustains at being 13%. So that's one reason why I don't think Robert Thomas is going to be able to keep up his production quite as high. But I, I that's not to say I don't think he's the real deal. Also, I mean, a big question mark coming into this season, I might have said if St. Louis was my team, the biggest surprise is that Vladimir Tarasenko started the year and finished the year with St. Louis and had a successful year doing that. And I think I saw in an exit interview when the blues were eliminated from the playoffs, uh, they were asking like, what's the deal with Tarasenko? Where are things at? And it sounded like they just squashed it. Like that's behind us. We've moved on when I'm pretty sure, I don't know if this exact word was used, but it seemed irreconciliable uh, earlier in the season, like coming out of training camp. It seemed like a terrible situation. Everybody was mad. It was screwing with everyone on the team. And look at them now. So having Tarasenko back with Thomas and having Bucinievich back in another year of confidence, you know, I'm not seeing all of this production disappearing, but I am going to think of him more like Elon, you said 60, 65 points. I might go 65, 70.
1: Yeah, 65, 70, but with low perifs. So then, you know, that probably yeah. puts him among like your average 65 point guys and maybe like shoot a little bit more. So yeah. Okay. I think we're on the same page there. Let's go next to Philly another elon team oh the elon fans are, are having fun to start this show brian uh, let's go to philly where there wasn't anyone that was that good so this is not going to be a happy surprise i'm trying to even think like if i was to pick a, a happy surprise on philadelphia like uh i don't know jvr totally disappeared i guess cam atkinson
0: cam atkinson's that, yeah, the easy one good. i'm surprised you didn't go straight for it i mean but it wasn't like so surprising like you he, were so excited
1: but excited isn't surprise. Yeah, he, he ended the season though with fifty points in seventy three games. He had a really good run before like everyone around him got injured and he just couldn't carry the load.
0: And according further. to Charlie O'Connor, he mm-hmm. was also injured as well. Of course, like the Ken whole team. Atkinson was playing was playing hurt towards the end. I a note to any
1: pending UFAs: I would recommend not signing with Philly. Not because I don't think it's a good organization, but they're jinxed and you're going to get hurt and it's not going to be fun. Maybe it's the medical staff. I don't. It could be. Yeah. Well, uh, Ryan Ellis, we'll see what happens to him. That that was obviously such a bummer that they got him. I guess that's a surprise. I mean, you can't put him uh, for this podcast because he only played four games. But man, like they brought in this like Top pairing defenseman, big plans, and then like just poof, gone for the year. So, all right, I'm going to go with a negative surprise here, of course, and I think I'm going to go with a player that people might even forget is on this team, just because he missed a lot of last year, but he did play enough that I think we can talk about him. That's Sean Couturier. He was clearly playing injured. Uh, Charlie O'Connor said as much uh, before he finally got shut down. But he only had 17 points in 29 games before getting shut down. Uh, this is a guy who previously, for the previous three seasons, was like 70 plus point guy. He even got up to 78 for a pace one of those years. Uh, uh, so I feel like on one hand I could come out here and be like everyone's forgotten about Jean Couturier. This is going to be your opportunity in fantasy to get a, like a cheap Jean Couturier, seventy plus point player. You should uh, stop there. Well, I, I'm going to keep going. No,
0: don't say the second half. Why? Because you want to say it? No, because I think it's I think he I think the first half is correct. I don't think you need the but. Well, like I'm just going to say it and
1: then you could correct it. Ah. Uh. I am a little bit concerned that, you know, those big seasons came with a lot of power play points on a power play with Claude Giroux, who is gone, like, so he might have worse players around him. I think, like, Giroux was like, a really awesome player, and I think that power play where Sean got so many points is not going to be as good. Like, who's the person coming in to take his spot? You know what I mean? So, anyways, that would be my concern, unless you're going to tell me that, like, an Owen Tippett or... Uh, I don't know who one one of their new young players is going to come up and like be really good, but I Yeah, anyways, I still think Sean Couturier will be a value pick, but may not be, like, as sure thing for 70-plus points just because the team around him is looking really weak. We'll see what they do in the offseason, of course. Maybe they sign Johnny Gaudreau, and then we could be a little bit less concerned.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) listening again to the 32 Beats interviews with Charlie O'Connor for the Flyers, it didn't sound like that should be uh, a really high priority for Philly. Like, they're going into a bit of a rebuild. Uh, This is not the time. Like, they could try and add a top six piece and see what happens. But I'm not expecting Sean Couturier to get any immediate help. Uh, but the thing is that I also don't think he needs any immediate help, which is why I, like, I've loved Sean Couturier. I think my, my one concern at this point would be, like injuries right, right like of course he, that too like he's missed most of the last two seasons and the season before that he missed 13 games which isn't a ton but is nothing uh he's been hurt a lot over the last few years so uh, that would be what would be holding me back from taking a big flyer no pun intended on sean couturier but um I, I think he's someone who's going to fall. He fell to me in drafts this year, actually. I had him in almost every league I was in, and I paid for it in almost every league I was in because of the injuries. But I have a feeling that I'm going to be ready to draft him again a little bit ahead of where everyone else is. Um Elon, you're right. Like, he doesn't have Giroux or Voracek to work with, who he had some really successful seasons with. But um yeah, I actually don't know if I have a, a butt on the other side of that. I wanted to say, but you're right, it, it's looking pretty pretty ugly on that Philly depth chart. And I don't think Owen oh, Tibbet is the answer. I think Cam Atkinson is a player. I think he's legit. And JVR, like Couture with JVR and Atkinson, sure. I, I think i could work
1: jvr seems kind of anyway we'll, we'll or
0: connect Kine- who i, I who won't just spoil the interview he
1: just injured himself unfortunately <laughs> apparently he was like working out i didn't read the i didn't get like the oh. full details but apparently he's like hurt now from like a workout so i don't even know if he's gonna start the season the
0: bad news bears over here I know, uh over word. over in philly so i and also by the way elon i thought you would you might go martin jones as a happy surprise <laughs> in, in was, philly like I mean, if, you're, if you're searching for a happy surprise what was, the sa- what was the safe percentage in the end like like it was 900. <laughs> 900 it was his high, his highest save percentage in four years yeah he
1: was like not a guaranteed loss every game he was playing like,
0: like i would have <laughs> maybe expected that was him to be do you know actually if there's one consistent goalie in the league and i i didn't realize this until just now uh martin jones was exactly an 896 goalie for three consecutive yeah. seasons on the dot that's, that's wild.
1: How, that's how you get your contract. If bought you out. if
0: you don't know who this guy is, like, if you don't know who Martin Jones is, you just have to believe him
1: in what in what he shows you. All right, so let's go next. We've done. Is it going to be another Elon team? We're going to go to a Brian team. We're going yeah, to the Rangers. No, it's still you. Oh, boy. Okay, let's see. You know what? I wrote this. Normally, you know, I prepped the shows the night before. Then we record the show. Last week, the plan was to do all the teams in one show. So I'm, like, surprising myself here with what I wrote because I didn't get a chance to look over the, the notes today. Uh, so, okay, the Rangers, I wrote, obviously, Chris Kreider. I'm not going to even, like, name any other players. He's the obvious answer. Anyone who has another answer is wrong. Uh, no one called that this is going to be a 50-plus goal scored he scored 52 goals 25 assists in 81 games uh we just talked about him recently on a patron cast about his season uh you know but it's just like this guy you could talk about him on multiple shows right it was such an amazing season and obviously now it's very interesting to try to figure out if he'll be able to do it again his previous career high was only 28 goals i'd imagine like this is the, the easiest hedge to make right i'll say like he probably won't be the same but also I could see him being really good still, you know, like if his previous career high was 28 goals this season, he scored 52. Maybe he like, you know, lands next year around like a 35 to 40 goal score, which is still like super valuable in fantasy. So I think he's the kind of player who is going to, I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to get drafted too high. I'm very curious to see what his ADP will be because I don't think anyone believes in him as a 50 goal scorer. Like, I'll be happy to be proven incorrect on that. And maybe he can keep it up again. But, like, it's just hard. Like, someone who's had such a long career to come out of nowhere and have, like, such a breakout. I feel like it's unlikely he'll be able to sustain it unless he's, like, found a completely new part of his game. Like, I guess he did have stretches in the past in his career where he would go on runs of scoring all the time, but then he would go quiet. So maybe he found some consistency. So, yeah. Anyways, I'm going to call him for, like, 38 goals. If I'm doing projections for next year, I'm going to call him for like 38 goals and, I don't know, maybe 35 assists. Where does that land him? So around 70 points. I don't know. What do you think, Brian?
0: Good math. Uh, Yeah, I think that's about where I'll I'll put him to. I mean, you've heard me all season talking about how he's shooting unsustainably on the power play. 40% shooting on the power play with the man advantage for the Rangers. And last year, his shooting was also pretty high uh 27 percent on the power play so he's found something that works for him and this isn't so like he can peak at about the 20 maybe 25 percent shooting percentage uh like conversion rate on the power play but i wouldn't expect him to sustainably do more one thing that i do like that he is doing more of is shooting at five on five and on the power play it's like the more he scored the more the rangers are like yeah yeah keep shooting or in his case, on the power play, that, you know, they'd keep shooting to set him up for rebounds or deflections or whatever he was doing around the net to score 26 power play goals. Uh, another interesting part added to Crider's game this year was, like Rob Thomas, he's playing shorthanded for the first time in his career, uh, playing, again, about a third of the Rangers' minutes on the penalty kill. And he put up three shorthanded points on the penalty kill, too. And we've talked on the show over the last couple of years, I think we had Megan Hall on the show who was the first one to sort of start talking about the power kill uh, and like introduce the term to us. And now it's pretty, it's, it's out there. It's pretty common. I see Shana Goldman use it a lot too as being like, it's, it's becoming a trend for NHL teams to put skilled star players on the penalty kill, because there are some moments where you can really try and jump on and exploit a team being on the power play, and not being as defensively responsible. Like, yeah, are you leaving yourself a little more defensively vulnerable? Sure. But, you know, one one skip of the puck on the ice or one botched pass and, or one slip at the blue line by the defenseman, and you have one of your best scorers uh, on your team heading in, like, 1-on-0 on or 2-on-1 against the other team's goalie shorthanded. So, like, these are not world-beating totals, three shorthanded points from Thomas and Kreider, but They are like that's high. That is high shorthanded production, especially from Chris Crowder, who had never had a shorthanded point in his life, uh, which is almost a 10 year career up until now. So a huge breakup from Kreider, someone who'd been, been like historically very streaky, uh, very frustrating as a fantasy player because he'd produce like a 70 point player some weeks, 30 point player other weeks, and it was sort of swing back and forth without any, any consistency. Uh, I'm not expecting him to continue a uh, 50 goal, 80 point pace consistently, but I am hoping, especially with more responsibility and more shooting, that he can stay up above the 60 point range, which is not what we've ever been able to rely on him for. So I would be breaking new ground.
1: Right. Well, breaking new ground for a second time.
0: Breaking. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Breaking the same ground again. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll uh, see where he gets drafted. And yeah, it looks like Brian and I won't be getting him in our leagues because probably someone else will take him hoping for a repeat. So it'll be fun to see what happens with him. And also, like, I'm not, you know, not putting out of the question. Maybe he can get that high power play shooting percentage again. But yeah, I agree with you, Brian. That seems a little unlikely. But of course, congrats on a great season. Uh, our good friend Go Hollywood in the chat here. I feel like we haven't seen him in a while. How are you doing? Uh, mentioned, like, maybe, like, a Lafreniere or Kako as, like, could have also been listed as, like, disappointments. So we were hoping maybe this could be the year that they break out. Didn't happen. We'll see next year maybe it's like lafreniere like uh, i don't know what was the take i said to you uh earlier that you like scoffed me? oh yeah i said i would take bordello over lafreniere yeah I'm, i'll be curious to see now if i'm correct about that one
0: well you've I, already I, you've already sort of thrown in the towel on it if i remember correctly like i already think that lafreniere
1: is better than Bortolo. i think bordello is gonna be good we'll see we'll see how it goes okay next but year. That,
0: so okay so you'd backed off saying that bordello is gonna are you backing back on i'm saying
1: like i th- I didn't mean to say it. Like I guarantee you, Bordeloue is going to be better than Lafreniere. I was just saying when we were talking about it how, was a like, hot
0: take. Are you are you standing yeah. by? Are you going back to it? Or what are does you it mean st-
1: to like stand by it or go? Like, okay. are, like, how, are you All asking right. me how confident I am? I think sure. I'm, I'm I'm more confident than I should be for a first round pick over first overall versus a second round pick, right? Okay. So, okay.
0: Yeah, I'd so probably still, bet.
1: I'd still bet Lafreniere if I had to. let you put a gun to my head.
0: Okay. Well, I would All never right. do that to you.
1: I would appreciate that. Yeah, that would be scary. Yeah. I think that that would be the end of the podcast. Can you
0: imagine? That that would be really interesting content.
1: Zero strikes and you're out on that one or one strike you're out. Like uh, I'm not giving you a a redo. But okay, let's go to the next team. I'm going to try to talk quieter. I just got a message from my wife saying that I'm yelling like so loud she could hear me. We just moved to <laughs> a house a couple months ago, and she's like, telling me that she's all the way downstairs and she could hear me yelling. So let me know if this like, totally ruins the podcast if I go with a bit of a more normal voice. As we go to our next team, the Ottawa Senators. Finally, it's Brian's time to shine. And of course, we will get to all of Brian's fun Ottawa takes in just a sec. But first, uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Kevin Carlson. All right, we are back brian the floor is yours who was the biggest surprise on the ottawa senators your favorite team in the whole wide world
0: i feel like uh new age elon is narrating like a soothing self-help audiobook is this this no it's 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 uh it's noticeable but i like it it's good you're like relaxing me instead of riling me up yeah
1: i don't know okay we'll see how we'll see what the feedback is
0: okay uh so ottawa they're my team I want to call Ottawa, the whole team, a surprise. I really do. Uh, No one, uh, the most faithful or optimistic sense fan, I don't think would have expected. Like, I believed that Drake Batheson was a good hockey player. I, uh, like, he had a 50-point pace in 2021. That was his first full-ish season. He played 56 games. Pretty good. I was expecting him to take another small step forward. But holy cow, this season, Drake Batherson, 44 points with 17 goals in 46 games for a 78-point pace, putting up two and a half shots per game. Just huge production. And of course, derailed at his hottest moment by Aaron Dell doing what he did. I I can't even start to get into that or I'm going to sound like first half of the show, Elon. (laughs) And then you have uh, beyond Drake Batherson, that's one surprise, in the, the, the degree to which he popped off. Josh Norris, too, also, like Batheson. last season in 2021, 51-point pace, nothing special, and his first sort of repeated exposure to, to the role that the Sens hoped he could take on one day. And then this year, again, a switch flips, 35 goals and 55 points in 66 games, falling just under 70-point pace, and like Batherson, putting up two and a half shots per game. So I thought. Both of these performances were hugely surprising, especially like for me, uh, because Josh Norris, you might remember, was a key piece in the return for the Eric Carlson to San Jose trade. And since that moment, I've just been like, oh, forget it. Like this guy, it wasn't worth it. It was a bad deal. And I heard like the rumblings that he could be good. And he actually started off with a lot less Hype and buzz around him, and it's slowly been growing as he's developed in Ottawa, and you could sort of see something coming. But again, like Batherson, not this. So huge point paces: Batherson, eighty point pace; Norris, seventy point pace. I'm cheating here because I'm gonna add a third surprise uh, in Anton Forsberg, who was a seventh round pick of Columbus back in 2011. Okay, this is over a decade ago. Anton Forsberg was drafted. Since then. He's had a 902 save percentage, 44% quality starts, only 50 starts over the last six seasons. 35 of those came in one year with Chicago when he was age 25. Only 11 games since the 17-18 season, Anton Forsberg steps into the net age 29, four years later, Gets 44 starts and has a 917 save percentage, 66% quality starts, and the best season compared to his expected save percentage of his career. The first time it's looked respectable. So just surprises left, right, and center for Ottawa. And I'm hoping that there are more to come. But I, I don't know, Elon if you find one of these more surprising than the others, but I sort of just had had them all as being really incredible breakouts.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is hard to choose between them. We were talking in our Patreon, you know, the thing with the rankings that we're doing every day is like, not only do we just pick players, we're also like discussing them as we go. And we were kind of thinking like, who's a player who next year is going to be like a big jumper, like someone who's not going to get ranked as high this year as they get ranked next year. And like, someone like Drake Batherson really jumped to mind for me. Like, this might be the last year where you could get him like decently late in your draft. And if he could Keep up what he did last year, like he could be like a star in fantasy. Uh, and then, yeah, Anton Forsberg. I've already like I, I, I'm blowing my chances now because probably all my competitors are listening. But he's someone I would love to get in fantasy next year if I could like not pick goalies again. This is the like kind of my thing. I want to just get all the best forwards. And then if I could still end up with decent goalies and defensemen, I don't need superstars, which is solid goalies and defensemen later in the draft. I could feel really good about my team. And then maybe I'll also hope to get one like a good goalie at of free agency or whatever. But like someone like an Anton Forsberg was an MVP for me in a couple well in my like main keep Carlson league uh in the playoffs and I feel like he's someone that's still going to fall in drafts because he's Anton Forsberg but I have like no concerns about Matt Murray I imagine he'll just get injured sometime soon Forsberg's probably going to be a decently volume goalie. at least that's what I'm banking on and I think Ottawa's looking like they're going to be better so I think yeah he'd be a really good bet for next year if I had to pick a disappointment, Brian, what do you think about Brady Kachuk? Because he was someone that last year in fantasy drafts was going like at the end of the first round. You know, people were like falling over themselves to get Kachuk in like bangers leagues because he shoots so much. He hits so much. Then in our patron rankings, I guess I'm talking about that a lot, by the way. Super huge kudos to Andrea and Joel, who've been running it every single day. And also get well soon, Andrea. She had a bike accident recently and we, we were wishing you all the best, Andrea. But yeah, so it was back to the these uh, awesome rankings and and polls that we, they've been running every day. Uh, Brady Chuck fell, right. He went 18 this year when he was 13 last year. That is that maybe that's just more to do with like so many good players jumping out that we had to fit them in like just York you know, all of a sudden is jumping into the top 10, like a Mitch Martin or I don't know, but like, uh, I'm curious just to see. Like, I think that like Kachuk's 30 goals this year were good, but like I think there was a time, maybe last year, people were thinking like this was going to be the year where he breaks out and scores like 40. You know, and he didn't score 40; he scored 30. So I don't know if that that's a, it's not like a huge disappointment. It's not as much of a disappointment as like Anton Forsberg or Batherson or Norris were surprises. But I'm curious to get your take if like you think what we saw last year from like Kachuk is like just like, kind of what to expect moving forward. Don't expect more than like a 30 goal, 70 point guy with great peripherals. <laughs>
0: It's tempting, right? We can't tease apart exactly what happened with Kachuk this year. Like, he did play 79 games, but that erases the fact that he missed training camp uh, because of a contract, a whole dispute. And then spe- it took him, once he rejoined the team, it took him a couple... I would say it took him honestly a month as someone who had him on his fantasy team. Uh, I watched Brady Kachuk wait to find his legs and all of that data is mixed in with the rest of the data from the season that we have on Brady Kachuk, which um, by most, by many accounts, a 70 point season. Uh, this, that's, that's a career high for him, right? Like he'd only ever paced for 53 points at best. Uh, 51 52 53 points in the three seasons before this one Uh, so it's it's funny to frame this as a negative surprise but I understand what you're saying that you thought the breakout would go straight from being you know like a, a 25 goal scorer to a 40 goal scorer and he's taken a step to 30 along the way and I still think that it is just a step. Uh, like I do see some reason to think, oh, maybe not. Like his expected goals rates were lower this year than they ever have been in his career. He took fewer shots, but again, I really do think a lot of that is colored by the um, by the initial sort of stretch that he was not quite up to full speed for. So I'm not, I'm not giving up on Brady Kachuk as a 40 goal scorer. I understand your disappointment if you were ready for it to happen already, but I wouldn't be so mad that he didn't make the jump immediately in his age. Uh, what was it? 22 season this year
1: yeah brian guess what i agree with you you know i brought it up because i saw that he fell in the rankings and you know like he only fell five spots when you're that high like that's pretty significant to go from 13 to 18 so i wanted to bring up but i agree with you i think that this he's might be a really good value you know you're still gonna have to take him as a second round pick but if you have a late second and he falls to you imagine if you got like Connor mcdavid or you know nathan mckinnon or whatever like like right at the top of the draft and then it snakes all the way around and then you get brady kachuk right at the end of the second i think you're uh, setting up a pretty nice fantasy team to start your off in a banker's league of course so yeah i think that uh, you know people in the chat are also saying like hunter saying that he was missing batherson and norris for almost a month as well so there were a lot of factors that maybe took away from his potential upside
0: yeah we did talk about that on the show when when they were out of the lineup and there were no points coming and everyone the sky was falling for brady kachuk thank you for reminding me of that moment because that just adds adds fuel to my fire which is also yours elon good to hear
1: Okay, let's go next to Washington. It's another Brian team. Who was the biggest surprise to you over in the nation's capital down south?
0: Okay, so I will say that one negative surprise in Washington was Anthony Mantha really just not getting any opportunity to do much at all. And this is also like a chicken or egg thing, because I'm not sure he earned the opportunity to do anything at all. We used to we used to cry about his deployment in Detroit we hadn't seen nothing yet he saw a career low 15 minutes of ice time per night career low share of power play time and that was all part of contributing to uh one of the well actually i would i'm going to call it the worst season of his career. had just a 51 point pace, 9 goals, 14 assists for 23 points in 37 games. Yes, he hasn't done as well in previous years, but he was still growing. We didn't expect it. And also this season, Anthony Mantis' shot rates fell. Uh probably because of the time on ice he was playing, but he was down to just barely two shots per game, which is about in line with the look with the worst season he's had before. The guy turns 28 in September, I'd love to believe a breakout is still on the horizon. This is a guy who had back-to-back seasons where he had a 60-point and then a 72-point pace and then has fallen off the face of the earth since. So we'll see if this guy's got anything in him. Uh, I don't know if I'd be, I think I'd be more surprised to see him bust out and show that potential than to see him wallow where he is again. But that was a negative surprise that, not that he did so poorly, but that he played himself like. He was buried in Detroit. He's in the doghouse forever. And it's like he arrived in the doghouse in Washington. So that was a bummer. But uh, that would be my negative surprise. I like how this is supposed to be one surprise, but we're naming so many per team. Uh, my big surprise in Washington. Uh, it might not be an obvious one, but it might be so obvious. Alex freaking Ovechkin is my big surprise in Washington this season. You can call me a non-believer. No, no, call, go ahead. But I think everyone should be surprised by the season that Ovechkin had because, Elon, this was not just him keeping up with what he'd done before for another year. Alex Ovechkin put up his best point pace in nearly a decade. Not since the lockout shortened season in 2012-13, when Ovechkin had 56 points in 48 games, he'd never put up a point pace north of 90 points since then. And in a full 82-game year, Ovechkin hadn't put up a point pace above 90 points since 2009-2010, his third year in the league. So now, Ovechkin, this graybeard, in his age 36 season... He puts up a 96-point pace. I'm calling that a surprise. 50 goals, 40 assists for 90 points in 77 games, taking about four and a half shots per game, basically equaling or besting almost every season he's ever had in terms of actually scoring goals, too. Like, Ovechkin has been in the league 17 years. He's 36 years old. And at this point, it's comical that one Ovi is, like, suddenly surging to levels we haven't seen in a decade or more but the funnier part is that the league like nhl you've had 17 years to figure out how to stop this guy he's 36 years old and he's still doing it to you no one's
1: don't blame the other people ovechkins is too good there's
0: there's an entire which is all incredible like there's an entire career's worth of tape on Ovechkin that teams can look at and tendencies to strategize around. Everyone knows how good he is and no one can find a way to stop him, especially on the power play this season. Ovechkin had 29 power play points with 16 power play goals. And really, if I'm looking to see how else he got to that 96-point pace, nothing stands out from the other season's like no weird variants or anything, which is a huge compliment to him. Like there is some decline visible in the attempts and shots he's generating per 60 minutes, but for Ovechkin's age and stage, he just keeps rolling. Uh, And so I'm blown away that Ovechkin not just kept up what he's done before, but hit this high watermark that it's been a while since we've seen him there and doing it at age 36. And Elon, I'm going to put the question to you. What would be more surprising next year? if ovechkin kept this up again in his age 37 season or finally took a step back
1: Uh, step back would be more surprising i like i feel like i love the ovechkin talk i'm never going to say to not talk about uh how great he's been playing uh he's an amazing player for sure one of my favorites But uh, come on, this is the wrong answer because you shouldn't be surprised. Ovechkin is, uh, he's the best. 80 point
0: pace, Elon, 85 point pace. I'm not surprised.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I, again, I respect it. Uh, unfortunately, Brian, it is the wrong answer. The, the correct answer was Evgeny <laughs> Kuznetsov, easily. You just he... want...
0: Yeah, <laughs> we, we can't talk about Evgen- Evgeny Kuznetsov enough for you on keeping Carlson this year <laughs> no, from, we'll do from, from a your auction draft moment.
1: No, I'm not even going to talk about myself. I'm just going to say, just to remind people, that going into the season, he was getting drafted super late, including $1 in, or $2 in Tier 1 Sweden. And for good reason, he only had 29 points in 41 games in 2020 and 2021 and then uh all of a sudden he was a point per game player last year he was unbelievable centering Ovechkin the whole time people at some point were worried when Nicholas Backstrom came back from injury that oh no like is Kuznetsov finally gonna lose his spot with Ovi didn't happen Kuznetsov stuck with him I'm not worried like I think he's gonna probably keep it up next year just like I think Ovi will keep it like to some extent right like maybe there's like five point fall off for both of them but uh I uh, definitely think that Kuznetsov was the one that surprised. Like, I wasn't like every night just being like, oh, my God, Ovechkin keeps scoring. How is this happening? But like with Kuznetsov a little bit, I was like, wow, this is really like a lot more than even I was expecting of someone who drafted him. Uh, but okay, so that's Washington. We're done with the capital teams. So now we can go to the Nashville Predators, our 23rd team in this series. Brian, who has Nashville? It looks like it's you. Who's it gonna I think I know the answer here.
0: Yeah, I I think it's Matt Duchesne. I'm not even going to keep anyone in suspense here. Like, Duchesne, after two years, brutal regression, and also next to no power play production, you know, we couldn't tell if coming into this season, Duchesne was washed, or just incredibly unlucky. We actually... Couldn't figure it out. Like, there wasn't any clear, like, he had had some really bad variants, but he's also slowing down in what he did himself. So it was really hard to tell what was causing what. Uh, so maybe this season, Duchesne gave us our answer when everything in Nashville looked like it was working properly, including that power play, while Duchesne put up 43 goals with 43 assists for 86 points in 78 games. Uh, 29 power play points, three shots per game. It looks to me now like Duchesne was maybe just incredibly unlucky. Like I remember earlier thinking it must be luck, uh, that Duchesne was actually going this hard. And there was some luck. Like his ice shooting percentage of five on five was kind of high. But really, I think a lot more, a lot of this was real more than it wasn't. And that's very much thanks to 16 power play goals, where Duchesne was just an incredibly dangerous shooter, seeing legit top power play time for, oh, Elon, would you believe me if I told you it's been almost a decade since Matt Duchesne was consistently in a top power play role? Even in
1: Ottawa in that year when he was above point per game?
0: Yeah, even in, well, I think that season is also colored by uh, him having been traded to columbus where they didn't use him in the same role like one year he came from colorado the next year he went to columbus um so yeah okay that year in ottawa is kind of the outlier when he was in ottawa you got me but But the rest but the rest of it yeah 10 years outside of that one year uh duchene hadn't been seeing top power play deployment which is amazing uh so i think that like this massive cloud of bad luck over Matt Duchesne from past years has finally moved away. Plus, he's had more opportunity than he's had since his fourth season in the league at age 22, back in that lockout-shortened season in 2012-13. You know, Duchesne waited until age 31 to get another real crack at being a legit top-line, top power play guy for a full season. And boy, did he make the most of it. And without having all the crummy luck he's had to his game before that. So I would say that it's a uh, it's a, uh, it's unfortunate that it was a surprise for Matt Duchene because I, I think this talent has just been latent through the whole time, but just hasn't been able to to really show. So there it is. Matt Duchesne showed and we're surprised. But honestly I wouldn't be so surprised to see him repeat this season.
1: Hmm. I guess the thing with Nashville is I'm just a little worried. If Philip Forsberg goes, it's kind of like what I was saying before about um, who was it that you were like, oh, like Couturier. And I was like worried that maybe with Giroux gone, and I feel like it might be a similar situation. So we'll have to see what happens in the offseason. But I could see Nashville maybe falling off a little bit, which would obviously not be good for Duchesne. It also wouldn't be good for Roman Yossi, uh, who is like really funny. I just got to bring him up because he, back in 2019-20, had a 77-point pace, right? 65 points in 69 games. Then he fell off a little bit in 2020-21. And then this past year like totally exploded. Uh, if you look at our patron rank, We've been keeping track of not only this past year's change from the previous year, but also from the year before. And Roman Yosi went down 17 spots after the down year. And now he's like right back up the same 17 spots back up to number 15, like where he we ranked him two years ago. So he's just been yo-yoing up and down our rankings as he has good and bad seasons. So Hopefully for him the pattern doesn't continue and he falls those 15 spots again, not that a 56 point defenseman is bad, but after uh, he put up a 98 point, pace. can you believe Roman Yossi had a 98 point pace this season, but it just feels like uh, it's going to be tough him to repeat. And I think like, like, like I was saying with Dushane, I just would be a little worried about this team, maybe regressing As Shane is agreeing with me in the chat. We'll have to see if someone like uh, Thomas Sino or Ellie Tolvanen, who people were into at the start of the year, then he totally like actually in the chat here, who said it, uh, go hollywood to the tolvan and dude it out which i don't even really know that saying i'm wondering if it's a big lebowski reference (laughs) but uh whatever that means yeah he disappointed us for sure so brian like uh when you say that you think Duchesne can keep it up again i know that this is your faith in Duchesne as a player but just in general what do you think about nashville like are you a little worried and we have to see what happens with with forsberg right and if we replace him if he goes
0: yeah there's a big asterisk to the comment that Duchesne can do it again because it does I, I think he needs Forsberg both at five on five, but maybe especially on the power play to be able to put up that many points. And there's no clear heir apparent. You look up and down the roster. Uh, you've got your boy Philip Tomasino, Elon, who maybe uh, could be closer to taking a step. I don't think Tanner Genoe is going to be that top line talent that can really fill in. Ali Tolvenin dude it out. whatever like for for making sure that the meaning of that means disappointed us and sort of disappeared Um, so yeah I would be concerned if that top line is not together again in Nashville then I'm definitely downgrading Duchesne like a fair amount actually I'm not going to like I'm not just going to dock him five or ten points like I'm going to take him far below point per game pace like I would I would say without Philip Forsberg it's just Granlin Duchesne and some guy on the top line, Johansson. Well, Johansson centers the second line.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes he goes up, but yeah, it wouldn't be as exciting for sure. All right,
0: and Johansson is kind of some guy too, so it's, it wouldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't. Duchene would not be nearly as interesting to me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so Brian, next up is the Calgary Flames. Once again, we're going to you. What are you going to do over in? Oh man, what is it called? Not Cowtown. That's like another city, right? No, I think it's Cowtown. That's Cowtown. Okay, yeah. what are you going to do in Cowtown? <laughs> By the way, I want everyone to know I'm really excited to be doing this show. I'm trying out a new voice, but the excitement, I feel like it's not coming across. I'm having a great time here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad. I'm not... uh, I, I realize how much I need your 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 you energy
1: maybe i could bring you higher with this by the way go hollywood is saying he meant dud it out i'm gonna try
0: well now it's dude it out we're gonna go i was like, hey, like the
1: dude in big lebowski you know just sort of like chilling like yeah me too Russian I, that, that's, like I, a that's exactly how i read it it
0: like oh he's just he was too busy being dude just it to dude just out. like
1: they pass it to him and he misses the net and they're like ellie what's going on he's like whatever man like it's cool calm down
0: <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, Calgary. Cowtown. All right. In Calgary, I'm going to go with Johnny Gaudreau as my surprising player. And yeah, yeah, I know. Everyone's like, what? You were surprised by that? I want you to tell your <laughs> September 2021 This is not self. an
1: Ovechkin thing. I think it's fair to be surprised okay. by well, <laughs> Goudreau's I mean, season.
0: Well, he's he's a guy, in my mind, where I'm like, I was surprised by how great Johnny Goudreau was this year. I'm like, well, but we've seen him be this good before. But really, I mean, it's been six years of a roller coaster following Goudreau's point totals between being a 60-something and an 80-something point player. And he had that one huge 99-point campaign campaign. Um, and then finally, it looks like Goudreau had settled. In the two years before this past season, Goudreau had settled a pacing for 68 and 70 points respectively. It was the first time in his career, in Goudreau's career, where he'd had similar point paces in back-to-back seasons. So of course that couldn't last. That was too consistent for Johnny Goudreau. And he exploded in the right direction for a career-high 115 points. 40 goals in his age 28 season. A huge reason for that, I think was trading out Sean Monaghan for Matthew Kachuk as a line mate. That was massive for him. Um, And you know, that line one with Lyslin home just went off all year long, not to mention that top power play unit in Calgary. Uh, didn't feature Monahan as much as it had in the past. And, you know, this isn't to shade Sean Monahan, but Johnny Gaudreau seemed much better off being without him than with him. So how did Gaudreau do all this? Well, at five on five, he had a 13% on ice shooting percentage, which is high. But, uh, the way that top line in Calgary was clicking, I'm not gonna poo-poo it too much. I think they could definitely shoot above what we would expect most lines in the NHL to shoot. Also, Godreau had this new shooting role on the power play, which didn't actually help his goal scoring numbers a ton, but I think it factored in big to his 19 power play assists. Like he, he was taking more shots on the power play, but he only shot 8%, uh, which means he either deserved another goal or two there or This was by design and we need more info in our Calgary 32 beats episode of whether Goudreau was just shooting for rebounds and deflections, taking really low percentage shots. So someone else could bang it home and help him pick up those power play assists. So um, I guess the the question now is with how inconsistent and how all over the place Gaudreau's point totals have been historically. I bit after his 99 point campaign and it bit to have him on my fantasy roster all of that year. Do we bite for next year on 115-point Johnny Gaudreau?
1: Mm, If he's on Calgary, maybe. Uh, like if he's on another team, I'd be a little worried that, you know, this was like you said, like the chemistry with his line was just so good. It might be hard to to match that again, but it'll be really fun to discuss. And obviously it might just be a couple of weeks from now that we're going to be getting on a podcast to talk about where Goudreau signs. It's interesting. Yeah, a lot of these players we're talking about are pending UFAs. I think the real interesting question, of course, and we'll discuss this when the time actually comes, but like if Goudreau leaves, who takes that spot with Kachuk and Lindholm, right? Is it like a someone like a Tyler Toffoli? Because that would be huge for him, right? Like he was showing us potential superstar potential with that like you know really great stretch in vancouver than that like, good year in montreal last year you know montreal was crazy and then when he went to calgary he didn't get that primo So we only put up 23 points in 37 games but well, who knows what Tafoli can do if he gets that spot i know other people are talking like uh hunter in the chat is mentioning like an andrew Manchupani. he was like he had a weird season right like he went from like almost point per game for stretches to like totally disappearing I don't know. He's just someone I just have never been able to, like, really have a lot of faith in, in fantasy. So I would be excited for Toffoli. But again, we'll discuss it if and when Gaudreau leaves. Yeah, amazing season for him. And it'll be fun to also obviously discuss when he leaves, like, who he's going to play with on his new team. Okay, so we've done Calgary. Let's move over to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, what, was it a surprise that they didn't win the Cup? I guess, no, (laughs) that's not fair. But uh, they did a good job. But honestly, Brian, I'm going to say good luck to you because... I feel like everyone in Tampa did exactly what I thought they would do. <laughs> like I have not to brag, but I feel like I really nailed my Tampa projections.
0: Well, then that's how they find success. Everyone has a role and they play it to a T. And that's that brought them to the doorstep of their third straight Stanley Cup. So I did have to do a bit of digging, but I landed with Alex Kalorn being my surprising player on this roster because I had to pick someone. Uh, this is 10th season, age 32. Did you know that Alex Kalorn scored a career high? 59 points at age 32 in his 10th year in the league. 14 power play points on the top unit all year long for the second year in a row, by the way. So keep an eye to see if you can do that again next year. Uh, And this is not just a career high for Cologne, but only the second time in his career. He's paced for more than 50 points. So this is a a nice little, uh, nice tidy piece of business for Alex Cologne on the Lightning this season. Thanks a lot to that regular top power play deployment.
1: Yeah. And I guess uh, maybe honorable mention to Andre Palat, who had that breakout in 2020 with a 69-point pace, and he fell back to like his 50-ish point pace that he had been putting up the year before. So, you know, I wasn't that surprised because I think a lot of us weren't expecting Palat to be able to do it again, especially with Kucherov out. But... uh Well, I guess it was with Kucherov out that he did it that year before. But anyway, yeah, he's a UFA. So we'll we'll talk about him as well probably in a couple of weeks when we find out where he goes. All right, so next up, we just did Tampa Bay. We're going to the Minnesota Wild. I feel like we already did some wild talk, right, when we were talking about the Kevin Fiala trade. But now we go back. It's your pick. Oh, yeah. I think I know. I think I know who you got to go with
0: here. (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely on a theme right now with old guys doing things we haven't seen them do before. And uh, Matt Zuccarello in Minnesota fits the bill too. I could have gone with Ryan Hartman. I could have gone with Freddie Gaudreau, but really, what Zuccarello did was just so out of scale compared with what he's ever done in his career. And again, Zuccarello, no spring chicken. Age thirty four this past season, his twelfth year as an NHLer, and. He seems to be just finally hitting the, his stride, the prime of his career. Two of Zuccarello's best seasons had happened in the three seasons prior to this one. He had 68-point paces with the Rangers in Dallas. And then, uh, like, that year, he, was, he played, like, a couple games for Dallas before getting injured. And then in his second year in Minnesota, Zuccarello also had a great season – this isn't a normal aging curve happening here. You don't have the best seasons of your career past the age of 30 in, you know, 98% of cases. But this season, Zuccarello did just that. 24 goals, 55 assists for 79 points in 70 games, which comes out to a 93-point piece, Just blowing anything Zuke had ever done before out of the water. Uh, biggest role at 5-on-5 five five ever for Zuccarello was a big part of this, obviously, with his best line mate ever in Kirill Kaprizov as well. But the fun part is that Zuccarello basically just exploded on the power play. Like, it's five on five. You could say, yeah, he's playing with Kaprizov. That helped, but that wasn't the reason. He had the season he had and pays for 93 points. Uh, Zuccarello had 28 power play points this season. His career high never had more than 18. That was back in 2015-16. Basically, on the power play, Zuccarello doubled his production rates from the rest of his career. And uh, I think he could do it again. I'm not going to overlook Zuccarello this draft. I think I'm going to draft him to be able to stay pretty static. Although I guess with Fiala out of the picture, I don't know if uh, if Minnesota has to change a whole lot about what they're doing, if they're more moving pieces. But it's hard t- for me to imagine Zuccarello away from Kaprizov at even strength or on the power play. And I am hoping for another big year from him at age 35. I mean, yeah,
1: it's like obviously mostly just a show of support for Kaprizov. Like, I just feel like Kaprizov's so amazing, and if is the one who's going to play with him, I just don't see why. Like you say, like he'll just be able to do it again. Like, I think is clearly a good player. Hopefully, he doesn't like fall off, you know, with this extra year added to his legacy. But you know, only age thirty-five, it's not terrible. And it, like he did it at thirty-four, Kaprizov's only getting better, right? So I- I'm with you that he could probably do it again. Uh, let's go to New Jersey. And that's my team. Finally, I get to go, and I'm gonna say I've got two honorable mentions of players who disappointed me. Before I'll say the uh, player who surprised me in a positive way. Like first of all, Dougie Hamilton. We gotta say it, but like to be like to be fair, to be fair to Dougie Hamilton, he started the season really strong. He had 12 points in his first 16 games. It was looking like everything we hoped he would be. Then he got injured. He had that jaw injury, it kept him out so long. And then by the time he came back. He wasn't that good. And he wasn't even on the top power plane. It was a huge disappointment. But probably a lot of that had to do with, he, like you know, in that conversation that Ben had with Shayna Goldman, I think she said pretty much like he wasn't feeling comfortable. Uh, that jaw thing still wasn't fully fixed. So I'm willing to kind of write off what happened and say that, yeah, just a sucky year for him with that injury. And I'd be expecting him to be like a really good value pick for next year. Like he doesn't have any votes yet in our patron rankings and we're on like You know, 31, 32 at this point. I think we're getting to a point where you could do really well drafting Dougie Hamilton. Brian and I had a long chat about him on our Patreon cast. So uh, you could go check that out if you want uh, some more Dougie Hamilton talk. Another disappointing player that i'm not going to be as high on him again maybe ever again as Mackenzie blackwood a guy who i thought was like ready to become like maybe a volume goalie in the league like someone that might be a good like you know he had a really strong start to his career those first two years in new jersey uh, he had a 918 save percentage in 23 games as a rookie then he had a 915 save percentage in 47 games the next year but this past year i know there's injuries and who knows but at this point it sounds like he's also kind of on the outs with the teams i don't know he really stunk last year 892 save percentage i wonder if even someone like a nico dawes has like gone ahead of him in the death chart and the death Devils just really need to find a new goalie because it's not working out with Mackenzie Blackwood, it seems which is too bad because he seemed like a really strong prospect just recently. He's still only 25 years old. So those are my disappointments but I think I'm gonna have to go with a positive surprise here and it's gotta be Jesper Bratt right like what a breakout for a guy who had never paced higher than like 53 but this is like a Kuznetsov breakout and I'm not gonna pull O'Brien and say Jack Hughes here because we all know that Jack Hughes is really great you know he was, That's like, he different. was better. <laughs> fine <laughs> but yeah Hughes like was like surprising to me and like how amazing he was for sure like he's definitely also deserves an honorable mention but Bratt is someone who I don't think anyone really expected this from point per game you know 26 goals was like shooting a decent amount like just everything got really well for him it actually like could have been even better he sort of slowed down right at the end of the year when Jack Hughes was injured so that might make him a bit of a value guy depending on how people you know think about him going into your drafts like maybe he left a bad taste in people's mouths with only like 13 points in his last 19 games he was like the opposite of like a Jeff Petrie for me for my cup full team like Petrie was someone who like I just picked up for the playoffs and then he was like huge for my stretch run Jesper Bratt was huge in helping me get to the fantasy playoffs and it ended up drap- dropping him before the final because he really slowed down again like i said after hughes got injured but assuming hughes is healthy next year it seems like they have great chemistry so i think this could be another huge year for brad assuming he holds that deployment
0: absolutely career best deployment both in terms of minutes and power play opportunity and line mate if jesper Bratt gets to play if he's if he's jack hughes's wingman That's huge, right? You don't need to ask too many questions, especially with the quality of play we've seen from Jesper Bratt himself, who first came on the scene, you know, a few years ago. And we saw a nice little run. And it was hard to believe. And the longer it kept up, I was like, yeah, this guy's really good. But then he, he never really took the next step until this season, which, by the way, isn't so awful. I mean, he's played five years in the league already, but he just finished his age 23 season. So Jesper Bratt technically is still or about to be in the prime of his career heading into his age 24 season in 22, 23. So uh, yeah, I'm not looking, I'm not thumbing my nose, even with that bout of, uh, of quiet or not, non-existent production towards the end of the season. I am still feeling pretty good about Brad. And to your point before Elon, I'm feeling pretty good about Hamilton. Also, I'm curious to see how far he falls. Like Jeff Petrie uh, was drafted 57th overall. Uh, on average in our Cupful drafts last season i'm curious to see if hamilton falls that far it sounds like with no votes on him yet there's a chance he's going to make it at least past 40
1: yeah i just voted for headman and now today who did i go with let me see here i went today with is this interesting podcasting while i browse up a chat oh aho so yeah, Aho, I'll still take over Hamilton just because he's still, I I still feel like at these like again, these superstar forwards, I feel like you could just at least set your watch to 80 points. I still do think that Aho has room for him. I know you've kind of said, Brian, points that you think Aho may have stabilized, but anyways, we don't have time to get into that. Come join the uh, patron discord channel for only a buck a month over the summer. Keeping Com slash patron. You could join the conversation of if we should be considering Hamilton here or if I'm being a wimp. I also like Timo is getting some votes right now. A lot of people are saying that he's got a lot of a higher upside, which makes sense based on our scoring. But okay, we're going to Arizona now. It's my turn some honorable mentions are shane goss's bear no one saw this coming right 51 points in 82 games seemed like philly was just like willing to give him away for free to anyone who would take him and arizona ended up getting a top power play defenseman who was like really valuable in fantasy pretty much all season long uh he and this is even more surprising considering the fact that jacob Chickren had that breakout just the year before he was clearly supposed to be the guy and yet somehow Goss bear comes and like he takes Chikrin's spot like who saw that coming that was crazy so that's a uh, honorable mention and i guess Chikrin gets the other honorable mention right like what happened to him 21 points in 47 games a 37 point pace when he had a 60 point pace the year before probably like he should be the answer but again i want to be positive here we're uh, nearing the end of the pod so let's you know be happy and talk about clayton keller a guy who people were thinking at some points maybe Chaika made a big mistake with that you know long contract extension It didn't seem like it was really working out he'd been around a 50 50- point guy in each of his previous three seasons after that 65 point rookie breakout and then this season started nothing special for Keller 13 points in his first 21 games seemed like just more of the same and then all of a sudden he explodes for 50 points in his next 46 games before sadly getting shut down and uh, you know whatever that was like bad breaks that happened to a lot of people throughout the season but uh, Keller just like you can't forget that amazing run he went on and I think you know people are gonna look at the uh totals on the season and be like it was a fine season he had like a 77 point pace but don't forget how amazing he was after that slow start and you might be like yeah but who's he gonna play with in Arizona but Brian like who was he playing with in Arizona this year like he made Nick Schmaltz like an amazing superstar in fantasy uh so I think Keller was a huge surprise and I'm really excited to see if he'll be able to build on that like I know he had a high shooting percentage that helped but I just feel like this was a breakout and this is a guy who seems clearly good enough to potentially carry a line, even if like he's not playing with superstars.
0: I think it's really funny. Like, I think you're, you name him Clayton Keller, your positive surprise, but I think you're still underselling him and saying, you know, he's on a 77 point pace. Like that's amazing for Clayton Keller. And you're like, for this run, he went on, if you're not believing it, that run uh, was 51 games over like four and a half months. So, like, this is the season Clayton Keller has. And guess what? He is uh, one day older than Jesper Bratt. So he's just heading into his age 24 season two and could finally just be starting to hit his stride. Uh, You're right to name your concern with his shooting percentage. Uh, He shot... 16% at even strength, when he's normally in his career shot closer to 10%. So yeah, that's like a few extra goals that he he might have uh, lucked into with a higher than usual conversion rate. But at the same time, I could look on the power play and say he only converted at 11%. And uh, in fact, in his career, he's been a terrible power play shooter. Clean colors has had more success shooting at five on five in his career than on the power play, even though his power play shooting numbers, like his expected goals rates, are way better than they are at five on five. So if Clayton Keller can can figure out this piece uh, of the puzzle, maybe because there's no other threats in Arizona on the power play. I mean, you mentioned Shane Goss' bear. He was definitely there this past season. Uh, but maybe... Th- Goalies can key in on him too much from high danger positions, uh, but there might be still an element of Clayton Keller's game heading into his age 24 season that we haven't yet seen. And I'm feeling pretty good about seeing a lot of this, this stay. Uh Of course, it's still concerning that it's Arizona, but I think the new coach Andre Torini helped Clayton Keller the same way he helped Shane Gossespierre, the same way he helped probably Nick Schmaltz. Everybody on the roster was able to, it, it was almost like, um, a quieter Don Granado effect uh, that we saw over in Buffalo. So I'm excited to see what color can do next season. I am a little concerned that he's probably not going to have much more help next year than he did this year, but I'm happy to draft him as a 60, 65 point player. And I might be interested in him a little sooner than my drafting companions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely can see myself getting him as well. Like Arizona though, man, they have a lot of cap space. Like if they, if they could convince people to come to their team, they could potentially get some good players and play free in front of
0: the 5,000 people for the next few years, which actually, I'm going to be honest, that sounds pretty cool. Like a lot of people are knocking the coyotes for being in this like temporary university arena, but that sounds fun.
1: I don't know it's kind I'm of fun for me to play in a huge stadium in front of, tons of <laughs> yeah
0: people, I'm not a but. professional <laughs> athlete like I, yeah I guess uh, I guess I feel the difference when I walk into like the 67s or the Carlton University rank compared to Canadian Tire Center it's true okay I know what I said rather be skating on I'm, I'm just trying to help them sell it yeah. so Clayton Keller can can meet our, high, our newly high expectations. I wonder if they're gonna get a goalie this year
1: are we gonna be like Carol Velmolka again anyways okay let's go to the next team Brian Pittsburgh it's all you
0: okay Pittsburgh uh Pittsburgh not a very surprising team uh like I'm hard-pressed to find a surprise I think Tristan Jari surprised a lot of people who were ready to give up on him really quickly like Jari was left for dead after yeah basically blowing up during the 2021 playoffs and you know when the last chances that the pens had this cord together the penguins fans were not ready to forgive him for a very long time but he basically forced them to with his play this season Charlie put up a 919 save percentage 63 percent quality starts and 56 starts before getting injured but he was one of the biggest workhorses in the league this year put up great numbers doing it uh so that might have been a surprise to some uh but i think he was like yeah, I'm not gonna say I'm not I'm not surprised at all, but I am gonna say it, it shouldn't. Everyone reacted I think way too strongly to this playoff collapse. Uh, if I'm trying to find an actual surprise, maybe I'll go with I don't know Evan Rodriguez, Elon. That's where I'm landing. I think this is actually an even harder team than Tampa to find a surprise on. Uh, Rodriguez had a 43 point pace, tied for his career best, but really that's not the surprising piece. The surprise was the one run he had picking up 19 points in 16 games from late December to early January when he was playing with Sidney Crosby. that's huge for Erod. It was surprising that he was able to hold on to that deployment because he never has in his career and make really good use of it, which, as we talked about on the show, wasn't so surprising. Like, his career numbers, Rodriguez looks like he could be a legit top six player. He's just never, ever, ever been given a consistent opportunity to be that guy. So it was nice to see him get like a a run of about a month or a little more being in that place and cashing in while he was there
1: yeah yeah he was good and i think he's ufa again now okay uh, you correct me if i'm wrong here so we'll see if he can never do this again if it's on pittsburgh or if he goes to another team i guess maybe one player i'll throw out ricard raquel was someone who i just figured is like this like really awesome player who just was in a bad situation in anaheim i thought maybe he could really take off in pittsburgh he only had 13 points in 19 games like wasn't that exciting around like he you know, was okay like 55 ish point pace it's only 19 games small sample size i'm still i still got my eye on ricard raquel i still think there is a potential Definitely. for a big season from him but this is the last chance okay if he signs with the new team and he has a boring year, I'm not going to expect like a Joe Pavelski, like take two years and then turn it around. Like, I still think he has it in him and I might draft him late in leagues if I can. But like, you know, the, the leash is running short.
0: I liked him on Pittsburgh and I thought it was a fit. And I don't know if there's any possible way they can make it work again. I feel like they would if they could. But first, you know, figure out Malkin and Letang and then we'll see.
1: Okay, so we got three teams to go, Brian. Let's go to the Vancouver Canucks, and it's another U team. We've been on a Brian roll lately. Uh, Who do you got over in Vancouver?
0: I've got JT Miller in Vancouver. Elon, no suspense here. There were some very surprising starts to the season, especially from Pedersen, who just couldn't find his game, but... You know, anyone who stayed with him through to that all-star break made out like bandits at the end if you lasted long enough to survive in your pool and he could help you at that point. But J.T. Miller's start to finish was incredible. I'm actually not sure what more we can say about him. We've talked about Miller a lot. uh, And so I guess we could just repeat J.T. Miller's numbers again. Age 28. Do you know, uh, he was a former first rounder. He was picked 15th overall in 2011 by the Rangers Uh, uh, just for fun. I'm not even, I'm not going to quiz you because it's impossible, but picked ahead of JT Miller at 15th overall in the first round, uh, Jamie Alexiak, Sven Berchi, Ryan Murphy, I'm going 14 and up, uh, Duncan Siemens, Jonas Brodine, and then you get to the good stuff at nine. You've got Dougie Hamilton, Sean Couturier, Mark Scheifele, Bainajad, Strom, Larson, Hubert O'Lendis, Cognogen Hopkins. But basically... There's a there's a gap between the ninth pick and then J.T. Miller down at 15. Even after him, this was like not a great first round. Like I'm struggling to find. I see Phil Phil Deneau and Rickard Raquel as being like the only two other NHL impact players. Pick, hey, but hey, Brian, at round. least the
1: at least the Sens got chat, right. So that obviously really set <laughs> yeah. them up. That's well, I, how
0: else could they have gotten Brissard without Zibanejad? What a gift. Uh, so yeah, J.T. Miller, amazing. Pays for above 100 points with 99 points in just 80 games. Scored 38 power play points, two and a half shots per game. Three great years in Vancouver now for J.T. Miller. He's paced for 86 points, 71 points, now 101 points. Seems pretty for real. Uh so that's a, that was a surprise that he was able to really find another level to his game and this is a guy who I think just again hasn't had the opportunity that he's getting to be this superstar in Vancouver and good on him for running with it unlike most other first round draftees in 2011
1: Yeah, at least after that ninth pick. Uh, I've made that analogy like mid-season. I can't shake it where I feel like JT Miller could end up being like the next Marchand, just in like someone who had like, you know, half of his career being solid. And then like the second half just like exploding. And so we've seen one year of it. Let's see if he can keep it up and actually like cement that analogy for me (laughs) that he's turning into a Marchand, at least in terms of fantasy. Uh, But okay, Brian, we've got two more to go. Colorado and Winnipeg. Two teams that are both mine, so I just get to stretch out here, take over the show, and we're going to start with your Stanley Cup champions, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, We talked a lot about Devon Taves on our last patron cast a couple of weeks ago. He was amazing. Still, like, a little surprising, obviously, how good he was. He had a 57-point pace. Brian was comparing him to, like, a Ryan Ellis, someone who was capable of, like, putting up big points back when he was on Nashville, even without getting top power play. I wouldn't be surprised if Devon Taves can do it again next year in Colorado. They're just such a high-scoring team, and he's, like, a big part of it. Uh normally I'd think someone like a Valerie Nechushkin had a good enough season to rant, to be the answer here for the most surprising season. Fifty two points in sixty two games for a sixty nine point pace. This is a guy who Yarmer Yager once said was going to be like a superstar in the league, and it seemed like Yager really missed the mark on that one. He was a total dud. But uh, you know, after he got drafted, he had thirty four points in his rookie season with Dallas, and that was his previous career high before this year, where he really just took off. He was trusted by the coach. You know, nineteen minutes of ice time on a cup winning team. Clearly, like a very important part of this championship team and yeah and he also produced in the playoffs 15 points in 19 games he's coming off a two year 5 million AAV contract dude is going to get paid this summer but speaking of getting paid someone else is going to get paid a lot this summer and that's my pick in Nazem Kadri. 87 points in 71 games and 100 point pace he also had 15 points in 15 playoff games including the big game for OT goal in the finals after missing four like five games with injury like wow like and this is a guy whose previous career high was six sixty one points with the least So he like a forty point jump from his previous career high to what he did this past season. He was only a forty seven point pace guy last season. He was like not even rosterable in a lot of leagues just one season ago and this year he was like right at the top. Like someone you could have drafted at the end of the first round and he would have given you that value. Obviously, a lot of it came down to his huge time on ice increase. He was averaging like 19 minutes, 15 seconds a game. He had the highest percent power play of his career. So those are two things to watch out for. Like when he goes to his new team, if he doesn't go back to Colorado, which I, d- I doubt he will. But, you know, like, is he going to be able to get as much power play time and as much ice time? Uh, that'll be a question. He also ha- took the most shots per game of his career. But obviously that has to do with the extra ice time, and the extra power play time. So I think deployment is going to determine if he's going to be able to do this again. I'm probably not gonna draft Nasim Codri no matter where he goes, because I just feel like again, it's maybe just my style. A player in his thirties that just had a career year, very Chris Kreidery, and I'm gonna let someone else take the swing. But like I'm really happy for him. Like, you know, he's taken a lot of crap from Leafs fans. Uh, and so now he was able to rub it in their faces a little bit for anyone who said that he was like not someone you could depend on in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, from Leafs fans for that reason, and from blues fans for other unfortunate reasons. Uh, Nelson Kadri's been through it, and it's great that he, it, it is really great to see that he had such a fantastic season this year. And I keep looking to find, like, okay, so where should we expect Kadri to regress next season? And I'm not seeing, like, anything that's, like, obviously... He'll regress
1: from not being on Colorado and not being on the team that scores so many goals. That's
0: it. Well, the only thing I can do right now is operate on the assumption that he's going to be back, which is is likely untrue, right? He's going to command much more. Like, he could probably take a discount and stay in Colorado or get, like, the life-making contract somewhere else. So we'll see what ends up happening. But just based on this season Colorado, if he were to repeat next season in exactly the same place i i'm really not finding where he overperformed like where he had the 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 shooting luck or the points participation luck like he had a legit, I, I, I think there's no other, he had a legit 100 point season for, for Kadri. One reason might have been that he saw more minutes than he's ever seen in his career. He's never, uh, he's never averaged more than 17 and a half minutes a night. This season with Colorado, Kadri saw over 19 minutes a night. And again, that's because he's on the top power play and being on the top power play in Colorado means you're like always on the ice because they draw more penalties year after year than, any other team in the league. So that was huge for Kadri putting up 29 power play points. Just a fantastic year for him. And uh, I look, I think even if he does end up somewhere else, like, yes, it's going to be different. Uh, he might not get a hundred points again, but I still wouldn't be surprised to see him set uh, the second highest points mark of his career, which remember he pays for 75 points back in his first full season as an NHLer. That was a lockout shortened season though. So it was only over 48 games. He had 44 points. I think he has a shot at being near that pace with another team. If they let him loose and play to his strengths the same way that Colorado did.
1: Yeah, so we'll obviously do a deep dive into him once again once we find out where he's going in just a couple of weeks. I'm going to try to get a good draft interview after the NHL draft. With uh, we'll try to, I guess I won't throw out the names because then you'll know who turned me down. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to try to get someone good on the show. And then, uh, yeah, then Brian and I will be back in, I guess, a couple of weeks to talk about all the UFA stuff. Uh, but one more team still for this episode, and that's the Winnipeg Jets, for those of you keeping track. Isn't that fun, Brian? The last team in the alphabet ends up being the last team in our yes. randomly generated <laughs> Sorry, list. Sorry, Winnipeg fans. It always happens. So. um uh, uh, a lot of good uh, but they had good luck in terms of a lot of players bouncing back from bad seasons, right Pierre luc Dubois wasn't that good all of a sudden last year bounced back Unfortunately, he's already announced that he's going to be testing u f a in a year so I don't know maybe they could try to change his mind a la jake debrusque or uh who was who someone you, we brought up on this episode that... Oh, Tarasenko, right. Who, like, we thought that there wasn't a chance and now it seems like they're fine. So we'll see. Josh Morrissey also had a nice bounce back season. He was really solid, especially, like, after a bit of a slow start. Uh, you could definitely go Connor Hellebuck here, right? I don't think anyone was expecting a nine ten save percentage. Like, he was a 9-16 guy the year before and I think a lot of people would have expected him to, like, bounce back from that, you know, because the year before he was a 9-22 when he won the Vesna, but instead he fell down another six spots like a uh, safe percentage spots to 9 10 save percentage i really think he should play less maybe the new coach rick bonus will agree it'll be fun to see brian what do you think about rick bon- remember we were kids and rick bonus was the first coach of the ottawa senators and now we're still talking about him as a like, grown man
0: yeah you remember the like six second clip uh, or, or in photo of him like pointing to the crowd after they won their first game <laughs> the first franchise game against uh, montreal I think so I was they, asleep. Big night for all of us. <laughs> I mean, like I'm, I was probably also asleep, but I saw the, cl- I've seen the clip a thousand times since. Okay.
1: So, uh, yeah. So I'm curious to see what will happen with Hellebuck. I think that the Jets, either they go with Comrie as the backup but actually play him more because he was pretty solid. Like, I just think if you're going to keep playing Hellebuck, like 70 games, like whatever, that's great for him for fantasy in terms of volume. But I just don't know if, uh, at least on this team, maybe bonus changes the team around. But like, I don't know. I don't think he's going to do much better unless, he plays a little less that's my guess
0: well rick Uh, Rick bonus is a defensive coach right so i think this could help connor hellebach like, not maybe, that he yeah. needs the help, but he's also better when he's, or is he seems like one of those guys. I, sh- I haven't looked into the numbers for a while. He seems like one of those guys who's better when he's busy.
1: Is he? I don't know. Not this fast yeah. season.
0: No, not this fast season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, but my pick's going to be Kyle Connor, of course, right? Like, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but yeah, he had a 73 point pace two seasons ago. And I thought that was like something reasonable to expect. I did not think he was going to jump up to 47 goals and 93 points, four shots per game. He had a huge time on ice boost. So, we'll have to see if bonus level him as much as Paul Maurice and like, you know, whoever was in charge. Who was it after Maurice again? for the end of the season?
0: Oh, Low- Lowry, Dave Lowry.:
1: <laughs> Sounds <laughs> right. I think that sounds right. Yeah, Dave Lowry, you're right. Good good job, Brian. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I like. hopefully Connor could get that same deployment that led to him getting all of those goals, right? Because that's a lot for a forward, right? 21 minutes and 47 seconds on average. Uh, I think that he probably dodged a bullet from Trot's not being interested in the job because I feel like that would hurt him. Though, like you say, Bonus is also a bit of a defensive coach. But at the same time, I mean, Robertson and Hintz and Pavelski did pretty well last year in Dallas. So if they're just going to load up that top line, I don't see why Kyle Connor can't be similar. So I'd be curious to get your take, Brian. He was ranked 14th in our patient rankings, a huge jump. Chris Kreider not even ranked yet basically had a very similar season uh but kyle connor people believe in hugely and and not as much but uh who would you take between looks like around there there was roman yosi schistjorkin you know patrick kane brady kachuk panarin vasilevsky those were guys taken after kyle connor do you think we're like too high on him or do you think it's fair to like have him this high at number 14
0: I, I'm curious to see if, if we ask in our, in our Discord server for everyone voting, if the coaching hire changes people's perspectives on him. And you're right, Elon. Maybe Rick Bonus will ride a top line in Winnipeg the same way he rode a top line in Dallas. And then everybody else was playing defense, except I'm not sure who is, uh, who is Foxa Cogliano Como comparisons would be. In Winnipeg, and whether Winnipeg has those guys, because you can only really play that way if you have those other lines you can lean on. If you can't lean on the rest of the team to handle the defensive load, then maybe you can't afford to let that top line go out and just run rough shot offensively either. So we'll see if Kyle Connor is the kind of player that Rick Bonus wants to cut slack and let him play the way he plays. I uh, yeah, I think you kind of, I think, I think you whiffed on this one. You called my Ovechkin thing a whiff i i'm calling your connor thing a whiff you i uh, gonna
1: score 47
0: i'm not surprised like he's been trending this way he's, yeah, he's a super fair. dangerous shooter he's shooting more he's seeing more deployment um and uh one thing i didn't see coming is he had the, the standard uh three short-handed points for it for the folks we've been talking about on the show three short three shorties goals for kyle connor this season so uh and like you said more deployment than ever so, yeah, I think we saw that he had this in him. Like, he, you mentioned he had 73-point pace a couple years ago. He had an 84-point pace three years ago. So, like, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. Like, yes, was it a really pleasant, pleasantly surprising? For sure. Like, I didn't see for sure that he could come up and do as much as damage as Kyle Connor did. But I was more surprised in Pierre-Luc Dubois actually somehow picking up his game and being a good reliable player for a large chunk of the year which he hadn't been uh at all right the previous season but basically Dubois right when I'd given up on him went back to being the player he'd been in the second and third seasons of his career there was a dip for a while but Dubois was someone I, I drafted in one league like right toward uh, like mid late rounds and I was he was on the chopping block. So like, I'm like, this guy's going to be one of my first drops. And I couldn't drop him. And then I was starting to think of shopping Dubois, thinking that, you know, I better trade him while his values up. And I looked at his numbers. I'm like, oh, no, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is actually playing really well. And he could be a 70-plus point player the rest of the way. He wasn't. But I think there's still potential for him to pull those numbers back up and be more than a 60-point player. At least there was in last year's system again we'll have to wait to see what this year's system brings with rick bonus i'm not uh i'm gonna be a little gun shy on a lot of winnipeg players based on like dubois has asked for like he's like i'm gonna test free agency two years from now okay thanks pierre luke really appreciate the update mark shifley was like so mad in that presser and might want out soon but like wheeler's getting old cal connor we'll see how he reacts to the new coach it seems um it seems unpleasant in Winnipeg at the moment. And I, I think I'd be a little afraid of that team with Rick Bonus as a coach. Uh, yeah, he took the stars far, but I also, he did a lot of weird things with Dallas. So I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out in Winnipeg.
1: If you were Rick Bonus and you had the choice, I don't know why I'm doing a weird what if right now, but like he just was coaching Jake Ottinger having this like insane playoff performance. If he had the option right now to trade, like Hellebuck for Etinger straight up just for one year, forget about their age or their contract or whatever, who would you rely on at this point? Like, I just wonder, cause he's oh, going to another team with tough. a goalie that you can really depend on. You'd think, but Hellebuck hasn't, I'm sure a lot of the reason why Winnipeg hasn't been as fun is because Hellebuck hasn't been as good.
0: Yeah. I think like, I, I don't know, my, my, my knee jerk is to say Ettinger is the one that I want to rely on. And like, I don't know that that's fair to Hellebuck. Hmm.
1: Who, who are you drafting in fantasy first? I think we're going to have them in the same tier in Schmorgoli's board.
0: I think they'll be really close. Yeah. yeah. Like Hellebuck, for what it's worth, still played above his expected save percentage last year, as he has for the last three years. And he was really good two and three years ago. This past year, he was simply good, which is still like that's good. That's capital G good. Like Hellebuck had a good and season. Above
1: average is not good for a goalie that won the Vesna, right? Like you expect more than just well above his expected save percentage i
0: mean maybe the year he won the vesna he didn't i mean yeah i sure I, I it's all saying. it's all different right We're like his same page his expected save percentage was lower this year than uh a little bit lower than it has been in past years so it shows up in his numbers so we'll see if bonus can fix the defensive system around him but um uh, yeah i think i would go hella buck i i can't give you a good reason why though <laughs> okay yeah oh, so sorry we'll, i meant ettinger i'm okay ettinger. Well, yeah there goes go the show.
1: i don't even remember <laughs> because i feel like it's close yeah all right this has been fun i'm gonna go back to my normal voice just to end the show here and again give me some feedback on if this was like so terrible and i need to come up with some way to soundproof my room because it's just like this podcast is not listenable when i don't have the energy but okay thank you so much to everyone for listening to this episode of keeping carlson uh, part two of our surprises and i guess like brian said we're sort of saying goodbye to the last season obviously we'll be referencing it a lot as we're talking about all the ufas but now we're going to be really looking to Towards the future with the draft, with the free agents coming up, it's going to be a lot of fun over these next couple of months, or at least like the first few weeks coming up. I guess then there's going to be another slightly dead time. That's when we really like start planning the cupful and designing all that. So like we're definitely going to be very busy here at keeping Carlson headquarters, Brian, myself, and then Kevin bear who's helping us with a couple this year as our coordinator. uh Let me, Brian, give a quick congratulations. We didn't get the chance last episode because I think the playoffs weren't over yet. I can't believe it's just recently that Colorado won the cup. But huge congrats to. Andy anthony t for winning the keeping carlson playoff pool what an accomplishment there was like 15 divisions or something to start and you know every round people got eliminated and anthony just kept on making it through making it through he was actually the only person in the semi-finals to not be a winner but the way it was it was like there were five winners and then one person who was the best second place team and anthony's team squeaked through and then won it when it counted in the finals this is a long time patron of keeping carlson so anthony not only congrats Congratulations, but also thank you for all of your support since 2015 you're going to be getting a cool one-of-a-kind cupful, not a cupful, kkpp championship shirt so yeah congrats again really impressive accomplishment uh but with that brian i think we've had a decently impressive accomplishment going through all 32 nhl teams and talking about a surprise from each of them so hopefully you enjoyed it if you like this and you want to subscribe and be able to get all of the keeping carlson content coming then just subscribe i I guess i said what you have to do right go to i don't know some people still don't really get what podcasts are but they're great because you could actually subscribe to podcasts who are those people there i mean we get like a different number of downloads for different episodes you think if everyone knew what podcasts were you should just download every episode because you just set your phone up i mean come on you've got enough data right right with your home internet i think you can manage to just like you know set it up to only download up when you're on wi-fi you subscribe on on apple po- i think spotify doesn't do it that's what's annoying spotify's like hurting podcasters right like they don't auto download you have to like actually press to but i don't. i use Pocket Casts, and i just like show you know every time it's time to listen to a podcast i say okay what's been downloaded lately oh a new keeping carlson well usually i know if there's a keeping carlson but for other podcasts that i may not know i'll be very surprised and happy so yeah subscribe if you can uh, we would obviously appreciate that we'd also appreciate a five star review on apple podcasts if you could be so kind that really helps us out doesn't cost you anything if you do have a little uh, spare change to spare you could become a patron of keeping carlson and support us like all the other awesome patrons who've been with us during the season and even during the off season we have our off season special going for just a buck a month and you can get access to our patron cast which we're gonna be doing another patron only show pretty soon uh you know the hangout in the community unity starting now's a good time by the way to ask like some advice questions you know there's not as many you'll as, get so as much attention yeah and we have a really cool way to do it. you go to the make a channel room on discord and we have the instructions to make your own like thread just for your question your own uh, channel so Your own channel.
0: part of the server <laughs> so that's
1: keepingcarlson.com slash patron for that uh but with that brian let's cue the outro music and why don't you take us out of here with the credits
0: all right this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dauber hockey and powered by our patrons including our super supporters tyler flash andrea get well soon tom derek david and rob uh, also thank you to our team of moderators on our server so that's uh, andrea jeremy and kevin a bear thank you so much for everything you do Also, thanks Shams Ben Amore for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news rolling on all of our game day Twitter accounts. Look at gamedaytweets.com to get hooked up with all of those. Also, thanks to Ben Burnett of Short Shifts at Short Shifts KK for continuing these amazing interviews. I, I watch things closely, but these beat writers watch things closer for their teams. I'm learning so much as I go. So thanks, Ben, for keeping that up. And to you too, Elon, good job. Uh, logo art by brandonweave.com outro music by pat roach this episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Leap Prospects and Yahoo great job
1: as always Brian Looking forward to talking to you about for, I think next time I talk to you on a podcast Is going to be about all the exciting free agency Stuff and probably some trades We're going to have a blast and oh, like yeah. said, We're going to try to get some more beat writer interviews Try to get some draft talk So yeah, stay subscribed And Brian, while we wait for the excitement that's about to come What should we all do in the meantime?
0: Please do all that you can through the draft Oh, last year's draft was a very sad moment Let's hope it's better this year uh, To make sure that fantasy hockey Is for everyone